you are now entering the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to Plus 7 Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. In today's episode, I'm talking with a Twitch streamer. Her name is Shauna, and we're talking about her life story and the role that games played in it, along with her Twitch stream. And this interview was unique. Shauna actually invited me onto her Twitch channel so that we could talk live for her streaming audience. Doing an interview live was a first for me, and I was a little nervous, but it was a lot of fun. And it had some of the surprises that come up when you're doing things live. So a quick intro to Twitch, because not everyone is is familiar with it. Twitch is a live streaming platform that focuses on, on watching people play games live. So anyone can broadcast their screen while they are playing a game. And they can, you know, with a mic, they can interact with their viewers. There's a lot of reasons that people watch live streams, but a lot of times it's either to learn from skilled players or it can just be a way to hang out with people who have similar interests and are interested in the same games. Twitch and live streaming games are just a phenomenon that keeps growing year after year, and it's a really unique way that gaming culture has sprung to life. So without further ado, here's my interview with Shauna Zwart. Today, I'm interviewing Shauna Zwart. She's a Twitch streamer, a TV host, and a musician. You may know her as Shauna Nina. <laughs> and uh, she, the way I found out about her is she gave a TEDx talk called How Gaming Changed My Life. So I'd say welcome to the show, but really, I'm on your show. <laughs> <laughs> We're on each other's show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. So for my listeners later, uh, I'm actually live on Shauna's Twitch stream. Uh, it's a little bit different. I think it's kind of an experiment for, for both our shows, but uh, I'm really excited about it. Me too. Yeah. So I guess we can uh, go ahead and get started. Shauna, can you tell me about your early gaming experiences? They were mostly influenced, I think, by my dad who showed us games because we, we didn't have a Windows PC at home we had a Mac because my dad was a graphic designer and there were not a lot of games for Mac back then um, so mostly it was just SimCity 1 and Doom 1 and stuff like Myst and the Journeyman Project and just really old games that were made available for Mac as well so we didn't have a lot of options uh, but those were my childhood games um, back then I think I was like 6 or 7 and I remember mm-hmm. the computer had one of those little, you had to put the disc in a little case and then put the case in the computer. Hmm. I mean, later we had floppy disks as well, but they were from the black market. So we didn't have Super Mario, but we had Charlie the Duck, which is basically the same game, but with a duck instead of Mario. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I've, I've never heard of Charlie the Duck. It was black market floppy drives. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, that's my early gaming experience. So you said your dad introduced you to them. Was that like a family thing? Did did your whole family play? Uh, my mom, not so much, but me and my brother on Saturdays, like I would go to horse riding and my dad, my um, brother would go play soccer and we'd get home and eat something real fast and rush up to the attic with my dad to play and we could take turns and stuff. 
like playing, holding the mouse and I want to sit on his lap now. And then you just, you know, you take turns playing because it's a point and click. Um, so we were just trying to solve these puzzles together with the three of us. I remember playing Goof Troop. My dad got us a Super Nintendo emulator on the Mac. So we played Goof Troop a lot. I don't know if that hmm. rings a bell. but that, I've yeah. never heard of it. It's always been me and my brother. And I still play with my brother. Um, hmm. But now we play Overwatch and Ark and stuff like that. But yeah, it's been hmm. a family thing. So you've been gaming since you were six. Um, have you been gaming since then? Or I think in your TED Talk, you mentioned that you kind of took a break from gaming for a while. I did. Mainly just I lost interest. Um, because in primary school and also in high school, not a lot of my friends played games. Um, not a lot of girls play games in primary school, you know. Uh, mm. So I I lost interest a bit. I just had other things to do. I still did horse riding. I had my piano lessons. And I used to go sailing a lot with um, scouts. We had water scouts, basically. <laughs> and... Uh, mm. So I, I had a lot of stuff to do outside and I didn't play a lot of games. And then when I was 17, I moved out and um, I uh, started meeting people that were playing StarCraft and then I got back into it, basically. Hmm. So you got back into gaming and so it was still it was still just kind of like a hobby, right? You you weren't streaming yet. No, no, that came like two years later, two and a half years later. So back then, I had a boyfriend who played StarCraft, and my only goal was just to beat him. That's just <laughs> why I played and why I wanted to get better. I started watching a lot of Day Nine to improve my play, but it still it was something I did next to studying because I studied musical therapy back then. Um, so it, it was study first and then go home and play StarCraft, basically. Hmm. <laughs> but nothing nothing streaming or anything related. It was just a hobby. Hmm. I guess it was around this point that um, you you kind of had had a, a setback in your life. Can you can you talk about that? Um, yeah. So uh, when I was nineteen, uh, my dad passed away. And that was kind of a turning point for me. I guess it would be a turning point for everyone when something big like that happens in your life. Um, and that kind of made everything fall apart a bit. Like I quit school. I lost my job. Uh, my relationship died. And um, I was just a bit lost, I guess. Like I was very depressed. I stayed home for two months in bed ordering pizza. Uh, so you know, I, I was not in a great place. And mm. um, I also started playing League of Legends and like 14 hours a day of it. It was very unhealthy, but that was the only mm. thing I did. Um, that was kind of like a turning point in my mental health. And um, mm. that's also when I started streaming, like eight or nine months after that happened, I started streaming. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm happy I did because <laughs> that, that was a good decision. <laughs> So what got you started streaming? Um, I watched a lot of Day 9, and I uh, also watched a channel called The Cheeky Duck, which was also a StarCraft channel. And that was a girl from Australia, and she invited me to play with her on her stream. Like, we were in 2v2s together. And I remember feeling like, oh my god, I'm on TV. You know, like, oh, this is so cool. And people talk to me in her chat. And this is like 2000. 
2013. So Twitch was just Twitch and not just in TV anymore. Like that was a transition that was happening around that time. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was all very new and nobody really did it to as like to make a job out of it yet um they just did it for fun and i remember that feeling was like oh my god i'm famous and then at some point i was like i wonder if i can do that and I, I checked if my internet was good enough and i i had like five mbit upload which is not great uh but it worked and uh the first couple of streams i had no viewers whatsoever but they came slowly but surely and that was that so I guess mm. other people on Twitch made me start streaming. But I, I did watch other streams for about three years before I started streaming. Mm. I wasn't really a part of any communities, though. Like, I didn't chat much. I was very shy, kind of. I just lurked. Mm. I guess you, you went through this time that that was really tough for you. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people who play games have had that experience that if something goes on in their life that, you know, they feel like they're not in control or, you know, they just don't, well, they basically just turn to games as, you know, something to, to deal with what's going on. And, you know, but I guess for you, the, the streaming kind of turned it around where, you know, maybe League of Legends and your gaming habit was, was not good for you in that time and was not good for coping, but, but the streaming kind of turned it around. Um, yeah, totally. It made it, it made it less isolated. Hmm. I think with streaming, it came, it became more of a social interactive thing, which is the opposite of what you do when you're depressed. Like you, you shut yourself off. You don't talk to anyone. You turn off your phone. You pretend that you're not there basically. And with streaming, that was kind of turned around into something that was supportive and where I could share what I felt in a way. Like I talked back then, I talked so much about my dad and how he died and blah, 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 blah. I, t I told everyone that wanted to hear everyone. Mm. I don't talk about it as much on stream now, actually not at all. I mean, uh, you know, people have seen the Ted talk and that's that. But mm. uh, back then it was really a, a, a way of, getting used to the idea that that happened in a way. Before you started streaming, do you think that games were a bad influence you, on you in that time? Do you think that all that gaming helped or do you think that it hurt? It was a bad influence on my productivity. I didn't get mm. a lot of stuff done, um, but it was a good influence on my emotions and just how I felt. I played with a lot of friends because uh, after a while, I switched from music therapy to game design. And so I was in a class with a lot of people that also played. And so it was a social thing after school where we like, oh, I'll see you in a bit on on League of Legends, you know, and then we play, I play with, with classmates for the rest of the night. And I think it had a really positive effect on my social, on my social life and mm. not so much on on being very productive and getting stuff done because that doesn't happen. Mm. <laughs> but overall, I, I wouldn't say it had like a negative effect on my life. I don't say, I don't, I don't want to say that. That's not true. Mm. So games have seemed like they've always been a way for you to, to connect with people, whether it's your family or your friends and, and now with streaming kind of uh, the whole world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. That's the way to put it. Yeah, that's, I don't know, I guess that's, that's interesting to me. Um, 
I kind of went through a period where I was depressed and I played a lot of games and, you know, it was kind of a similar experience that I was playing online with people, but they weren't really, they weren't my friends until I started playing with them. But I guess I did use the games as a way to, like you said, I was depressed, so I shut out the world. And in that sense, you know, for me, I'm trying to figure out whether they were a good influence or not. And, you know, I think for other people out there who are gaming and, you know, maybe they game too much or maybe people tell them they game too much and they don't really believe it. Um, that element of your connection with people is, is really important. Like, are the games helping you to connect with people? Are they helping you make friends or hang out with friends? Or are they doing mm-hmm. the opposite? Are they letting you kind of shelter yourself in? I think they do both, though. They kind of, I, I did lose a lot of in real life friends because I started streaming. Um, just because it takes up so much of your time. You have to be there every day. You have to be there for like six hours, seven hours a day if you want to grow, especially when you just start out. Um, but I did get a lot of friends back from Twitch, if that makes sense. So it kind of shifts your social circle to be completely in in your everyday life surroundings to be like half there and half on the internet. I have so mm-hmm. many friends that I like people that I call friends that I have never met, but we talk like every day and we play games together. And it's, I think it shifts your social circles kind of to a more digital place a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard because, you know, they're not there if you need a hug. But mm. um, it's also very much your own responsibility and not the responsibility of the game itself, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's that's definitely important. Yeah, I I think a lot of people outside of gaming, they like to blame games for, you know, for what they see. But I think even gamers themselves sometimes talk about their games being addictive or their games kind of being something that, that influences their decisions, which maybe that's true. But at the end of the day, you know, you make you're a gamer. Decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of a game that's different from TV or whatever is that you are actively part of it. You know, you're not just sitting and and watching. The game is giving you the ability to act and the ability to make decisions. So so you can't really blame the game because its whole point is to give you options and to give you um, the feeling like you're in control. Yeah. No, I definitely Mm. feel like we should put the blame more in the person's hands than the game's hands. (laughs) Because, you know, it, it works like that with everything. If you if your friends are like, oh, you want to come out for drinks? And you're like, no, I'm reading this really good book. Then nobody cares. And they're like, oh, cool. Go read your book. But if you're like, oh, I'm playing games. Your friend's like, oh, you're addicted to games. This is what games do. They make you antisocial. It's such a weird generalization. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I, think I want to return to that point in a bit. But... Um... I wanted to ask you what what your success as a streamer has has meant to you. Mm, it meant um, working at my own pace, um, which I really needed back then because being in that unhealthy mental state, I really don't think I could have conformed. Is that a word? Conformed? Yeah. <laughs> conformed to like working for a boss or having to be there every day at that and that time. Like back then I really needed 
a little bit of flexibility um, where I could be like, okay, I'm having a really, really bad day today. Um, I'm not going to work. And I mean, of course, you don't have to, you, you can't do that every day. But um, I think my stream being successful meant that I could spend more time focusing on my own mental health after my dad died um, than I would have with a normal, well, quote unquote, normal job. Um, I could decide what I was doing and I still can. I can decide what I'm doing every single day. I can do what I want. And that is so much worth to me. Like there's not any, there's not anyone who tells you what it should look like, what you should do, what you should say, um, what time you have to be there, how long you have to be live. That's all up to you. And that is worth a lot. I don't think a lot of jobs have that kind of freedom. There's also a downside to it where it's very, very easy to procrastinate, (laughs) (laughs) very, very easy or be late or, you know, don't be there on like, the time you said you would be and just cancel or something like that. It's very hard to to get, get that self-discipline when you don't have consequences mm-hmm. if you, if you don't do something. But um, I do think the freedom of it is worth a lot, especially to somebody who is going through depression and mental issues like PTSD and stuff. In your Ted talk, you, you kind of gave an analogy of how, um, how when you're, when you're a kid and you're growing up, you don't necessarily see that you're growing until you kind of see the notches on the door and how they change. And, and you said that that's kind of what your stream was like, that, um, uh, as the stream grew, it, it kind of paralleled your, your recovery and your growth. And, um, I don't know. I just thought that was, that was a really interesting take on, you know, on, on, I guess your journey. I was a little proud of that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did not plan a whole lot of my TED talk. I just planned the uh like the start. I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about the games I've played and when I've played them. And I was like, I want to use this analogy, and that's it. That's all I planned. The rest is just me telling what happened to me. Um hmm. and none of none of it is pre-rehearsed or written down anywhere or anything like that. So I, I was really happy with that analogy. Um and I still I still think it's true even it doesn't have to be a stream if you're going through depression. Just write stuff down. Make a diary. It doesn't feel useful. I mean, I tried making a diary. It did not feel useful at all. I wrote stuff down. I was like, well, I don't feel better now. But then, like half a year later or a year later, you read back into your diary and you're like, whoa, I felt so much worse a year ago. You know, and mm-hmm. then then it's worth something. But when you write it down, I'm like, okay, well... I still feel the same. I still feel really bad. <laughs> but I do think you need to make those marks because if you see yourself every day, you don't see you're growing. And um, that was kind of my point with that analogy. Hmm. I guess let's talk about your stream for a little bit. Do you focus on a particular type of game on your channel? Uh, I used to only play League of Legends. And then for a while, I used to only play Counter-Strike and then only Hearthstone, only Overwatch. I just went with the hype. Mm-hmm. And that really started boring me um, really fast. So then I started doing more music streams, like two a week instead of one. I like to do What the Friday, where I play weird indie games, like lots of point and click stuff. Um, but I think my favorite 
I think my favorite personally is point and click puzzle games um, coming from the nostalgia of Myst, I think a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like platformers like Ori and a Blind Forest or Rogue Legacy, um, stuff like that. But I, I don't really have a main focus. I just play what I think would be cool and mm-hmm. then see if my viewers like it too. And if they don't, uh, you know, they can go somewhere else. <laughs> hmm. So, so you do music and some other stuff on your channel. So, so what's that like? Um, at the beginning, it was very kind of uh, scary because there was not really any other content on Twitch than gaming content. So I got reported a lot for no gaming content. And uh, <laughs> now, luckily, there's a music section, there's a creative section. People can express themselves on Twitch in much more different ways than just gaming uh, which is a really good development, I think. But back then, like three years ago, that was not anything like that. So at first it was hmm. a bit scary and I'm like, I'm not supposed to do this. Uh, you know, I'm going to get banned for this. Uh, I can only sing one song and then I have to play more games, you know, stuff like that. And now I can wrap a whole show around it. I do Music Monday and Thursday tunes. And those are some of my favorite streams just because the response from my community is so positive on those days. I mean, they're always really nice to me, but on Mondays and Thursdays, I I definitely see uh, a lot more viewers in the chat, a lot more people talking, a lot more people uh, interacting with me. And I, I think that is really beneficial for any streamer. Hmm. So what kind of uh, music do you play? Uh, whatever they request, it really goes from, from straight out of Compton to uh, Can't Help Falling in Love. Like it goes from gangster rap to Elvis. It goes to Christina Aguilera to like Tenacious D. It's just all over the place. It depends on what people request, really. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. I I I think I got glimpses of your uh, gaming streams, but I didn't see any uh, any of your music streams yet. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> Mondays and Thursdays, but you uh, basically all my highlights on my channel are songs. Some of them are me rage quitting or breaking stuff uh, because I'm a very angry person sometimes. <laughs> not all the time, not a lot, but I did break a headset once, and it's definitely all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. wow! So you're actually the first Twitch streamer uh, that I've had on my show. Can you give a tip or two for any aspiring? streamers about how to be successful or you know maybe what you think made you successful um that's hard i mean i think when you ask any streamer this question there are a standard few answers that they could give you like get a schedule be consistent interact with your chat uh stream like five times a week or something uh you know there are a few things that that everybody would tell you to do. Um, but I, I think the most important thing is don't start streaming with the idea of I'm going to get famous. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to do this, blah, 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 blah. Cause you're only going to get disappointed. There's two and a half million other channels on Twitch. Why would they watch you? So mm-hmm. give them a reason to watch you do something different. There's a guy blowing glass on Twitch. There's a guy doing leather working on Twitch and they have their own communities because they're literally the only channel doing stuff like that. And I think that is way more important. Find, find your niche and stick with it 
and and do that. Because I mean, everyone mm. can have a schedule, but if you're not entertaining, it's not going to help you. Mm. I, I think might be a bit of a negative advice, but I, I feel like you, you should really give people a reason to watch you, and not just because you're pretty or because you are. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're really good at games, that's a reason. Um, but then there's also a thousand other people that have that same reason. So find find what makes you unique. I feel like every single person out there has something that other people don't have, or knows something that other people does like don't know. So find find what makes you you, and then and like blow that up a bit on your stream, like I did with music um, and really bad puns. I guess um uh, just find that niche and just um project that a bit like express it I think mm. is that is that good advice and each no, each, eat your vegetables <laughs> <laughs> and go to bed on time which no one does <laughs> <laughs> No I think that's that's great advice and that's exactly the way it is with podcasting too is um Sure, you can get your your show out there, but you've got to give people a reason to listen, and mm-hmm. um, you've got to got to give them a reason to stick with you, and and you know not flip over to something else. Yeah, I mean, can um can we swear on the podcast? Can I say like non PG uh, things? <laughs> Uh, typically no, but I can okay. make an exception. Okay, because I see in my chat right now, someone's like, oh, because you're a girl, you grow faster. But you know what? There's so many, I think the top five streamers on Twitch are all male. Um, I think being a girl does make it um, easier for people to find you, but it doesn't make it easier for them to take you seriously because that is a problem. People are, you know, if you're a pretty girl, people will watch for five or 10 minutes and then and then they're done and they had their happy end and they're out. You know, that's that's kind of it. I'm saying it nicely now. <laughs> I'm not using any bad words. But I do think uh-huh. it's it's a it's a pro and it's a con. You do get more exposure, people click your stream more easily. But if you are a pretty girl and you're not entertaining, they're not gonna come back. You know. Hmm. So that's not a valid reason, I think. Hmm. So what led to you, we've mentioned it quite a bit now, but what led to you giving a TEDx talk about about your life and your streaming? Um, they actually asked a friend of mine who is also a streamer. Her name is Maquanas on Twitch. Um, she used to live in the same city I lived in when I was studying. Um, and we kind of know each other through Twitch and we bonded over the fact that we lived in the same city and oh oh my god you know how how big are the chances uh, so she got asked because she knew one of the people that was recu- recruiting people for TEDx um and she had just moved to Boston so she couldn't do it and then she told them like oh maybe Shannonina can do it because you know she's a friend of mine and I'm in America so ask her and that that's it that's how hmm no big inspirational story, just a friend of mine. <laughs> well, they still uh, they still found something that, uh, you know, they don't let anybody on the stage, so they found something that they liked about you, I guess. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tearjerker. I think they just uh, wanted an inspirational story and just, oh, this one, oh, this one has daddy issues. Let's get this one. 
No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but oh, yeah, boy. they liked my story, and I had a coach um, who I met with twice, who kind of um, reviewed. He didn't really tell me what to say or anything because I feel like my story is very emotional and very much like a, I, I'm talking people through my life, basically. So you're not going to forget what your life is. And hmm. so the contents of my talk um, was not really what he was coaching on. He was just more like um, getting some structure into the talk, like chronologically and um, just helping me be more confident on a stage, um, stuff like that. And that was really helpful because, I mean, even with the coaching, I was really scared. But I think without the coaching, it would have been way worse. He really made hmm. me feel a bit more comf confident in that people wanted to hear my story because at first I was like, why, why do you want to hear my story? Like there's probably millions of people like me. Why me? <laughs> you know, why would you sit here and listen to me talk for 10 minutes? But they really liked it. Well, I mean, isn't that in itself a reason to, uh, you know, that makes your story important is that there are lots of people who can relate to it yeah. and, um, and can learn something from it. I do think, it was a good thing that I kept it a bit light. Like it could have been way heavier on depression and PTSD, blah, 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 you know, suicide prevention, stuff like that. I kept it fairly light. I was like, well, this happened. My dad died. Uh, and then I made, I made my life a little better. And hmm. I feel like it gave a very humoristic and positive twist to it instead of a, a very serious negative thing. And that was mm -hmm. that was a bit difficult because it's very easy to go down that road. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. You kind of ended your your TED talk talking about wanting your story to to be kind of a counterpoint to the negativity about games that are out there. What kind of negativity? We kind of mentioned it earlier, but um, what kind of negativity have you seen about gaming as a hobby? Oh, people say that it's antisocial. It shuts you off from the real world. It basically it's it's addictive. People don't do anything anymore other than gaming. Um, you're like if you still game, you're probably if you play World of Warcraft and you're level, I don't know ninety. I don't play World of Warcraft, so I don't know. But <laughs> max level, you're probably a thirty-eight year old guy still living with his mom. You know, stuff like that. There's a lot of a lot of lot of prejudice and a lot of generalization um which i don't understand it's such it's such a good thing like everyone loves to play games whether it be chess or you know or snakes and ladders or counter-strike like they're all games and people can see it as a social thing and not as a a shut off isolated thing i think with the with the internet that changed immediately Mm -hmm. And even before the internet, when somebody had a Super Nintendo, they would get all the neighborhood kids to their house to play on the Super Nintendo. Like, it, I don't think it's ever been such a negative thing. Um, there are, of course, people that drive it a bit too far and, you know, actually isolate themselves. But again, that's more the responsibility of that person or maybe their parents if they're young than than the game than the games. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find myself saying the same thing to a lot of my guests is that, you know, a lot of, I think that the the generation that's coming up and, you know, is now uh, writing in newspapers and talking on TV and everything, 
they they are now the ones who grew up playing games. So I think we're going to see that shift away from negativity about games. And, and I think we're going to start talking about games and in in a more optimistic way, in a more serious way. And um, I think that's going to be better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think, you know, once you say, oh, well, if you're a gamer, then you're an antisocial, then, you know, as a gamer and I hear that, well, that's going to mean that now I can't talk about it with people, right? Because that's what people are going to think about me. So, <laughs> um, so I think, so it's more, it's, it's just as much the, the stereotype that, you know, is a problem than, than the actual gaming or, you know, I think we can trace, trace back any problems to that instead. Yeah, definitely. I mean, take a silly example like Pokemon Go. That connected so many people. There was a Pokemon Go walk in my city that was organized by people on Facebook. And there were like 150 people there walking together to find Pokemon. But everyone was talking to each other. They were having like speakerphones with music. They were chilling. And everything was really, really good. And I walked like 40 kilometers in a week. That's a lot. I don't know what that is in miles, but that's a lot. And... Like stuff like that, and and people get on the hype, and then they're at the same the same kind of people that think gaming is a negative thing. We're seeing Pokemon Go on the news, and like, oh, that's ridiculous, you know. But it's just hmm. uh, it makes me angry. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to double check this later, but my head math is saying that forty kilometers is the the length of a marathon. It's actually a little bit longer than that, I think. So yeah, that's that's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for for a person who never leaves the house and is completely isolated, right? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, Pokemon Go comes up a lot of my show. Usually I'm the one asking about it, but um but yeah, it, it really shows how, you know, a new way of thinking about games and a little bit of technology thrown in there can do really amazing things. Yeah. Oh, it's 25 miles. So the astute listener will realize that I was wrong when I said that that was longer than a marathon. In my defense, my head math was good, but I got mixed up with how long a marathon is. Uh, A marathon is 26.2 miles. For some reason, I thought it was 23. Can't we just switch to the metric system already? So you mentioned, I guess I want to turn back to a couple of things you mentioned. So so you actually studied game design, or uh, where are you with that? Um, so when I was 17, I started music therapy, uh, studying music therapy. I didn't get the therapy, but anyway, <laughs> I started studying that, and then I realized that I did not want to be a therapist. I just wanted to know how it worked in your head, uh, which is not what they teach you there. They teach you to be a therapist. And then um, I worked at a call center for one and a half years. Uh, technical support for an internet provider and that was a really good motivation to not work at a call center anymore and go back to school (laughs) Uh, so I went back to school and I was like what do I like I like video games I like being creative I like doing stuff with photography and photoshop and so I went into game design it's called game creation and technology which was the creative side of it um, so animation, 3D modeling, uh, stuff like that. And then halfway through that first year, uh, my dad passed away. So I, I kind of crumbled a bit. Um, and school, 
I told school what happened and they were like, oh, you still have to get all your points for the year. So that was a bit harsh and that really put me off of the whole thing, left me very demotivated and then I quit. I was like, this is not a very humane thing. I don't want to do this. I want to do this at my own pace or not. And um, Mm. so I decided to, to focus on myself instead of studying for a bit. And then streaming Mm. happened and, and everything went well. So I never went back to school. (laughs) I'm a dropout. I did finish high school though. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) So do you ever think you'll go back to designing games? Maybe, maybe not going back to school for it, but uh, actually trying to to make something. No, (laughs) it's so much work. And the chances that you, you succeed are so, so small that I think I wouldn't have the patience or the self-discipline to do anything like that. But I Hmm. did because I studied that for like seven or eight months. I do have a lot of appreciation for indie games and that's where the love kind of comes from for stuff like Ori in the Blind Forest, you know, where, or Stardew Valley, which is made by one guy. Like Hmm. I think because I studied that, I do really see and appreciate more uh, other game designers, game developers, but I wouldn't want to do it myself. Hmm. No, sir. Interesting. All right. So I guess I think we've covered everything that that I wanted to talk to you about today. This was a really great uh, conversation. So how can my listeners find out uh, more about you and your work? Ooh, shameless self-plug. I I stream on twitch.tv slash shananina, which is S-H-A-N-N-A-N-I-N-A. And that is also just my Instagram, my Twitter. Um, everything is just Shana Nina. So that's how you can find me and my cat because he's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely want to check out my cat and not me. He's way cuter. <laughs> All right, did I, did well... I spell it wrong? No? My chat said I spelled it wrong. It sounded right in my head. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of N's in there, but uh, a lot yeah. of N's and a lot of A's, but it sounded yeah. about right. Okay. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming and talking with me. Thank you for being on my stream and thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thanks to Shauna for allowing me on her show and for sharing her story. It's it's not easy to open up about these things. It's funny because I find a lot of people who are confused about the whole concept of live streaming games, like, they'll ask the question, why would you just watch someone play a game? Why don't you just play a game? And there's a lot of reasons, but I think this interview demonstrates a really powerful one. The personal connections you can make while streaming or participating in streams are really unique and can be really valuable to people. So that's something that you really might not understand if you're not a part of it. Uh, I know that I didn't before I started watching streams. So it's a good reminder to keep an open mind about things. That's it for this week's Intelligence Boost. If you haven't already, subscribe now because you don't want to miss next week's episode. I'll be talking with two game designers who took their experience working on games like Mass Effect to spearhead their own tech startup. 
Thanks for listening. I'll see you in seven. The Podglomerate, a Sonic Universe. Tonight on NBC. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Thank you. You're all fired. Based on an inspiring true story. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. One doctor will break every rule. Just tell me what you need, what your patients need. To inspire a revolution. Let's get into some trouble. Let's be doctors again. From the network that brings you This Is Us, New Amsterdam, tonight on NBC.